0: Thank you for joining us at Conversations to Inspire. I am your host, Teresa Moore. There are many facets of our mind-body-spirit connection. In this episode, we explore the many benefits of nutrition and living a healthy lifestyle. Our guest is Dr. Dan Francis, a chiropractor and owner of Francis Chiropractic, where he practices with his wife, Jean, in Plymouth, Wisconsin. Dan teaches many nutrition classes in the community. In this episode, Dan and I discuss chiropractic care, standard process brand high quality nutritional supplements, breath work, and yoga. Dan teaches us about genetics versus epigenetics, the importance of a healthy gut microbiome, bone health and osteoporosis, reducing our sugar intake for improved health to control diabetes and lower blood pressure, as well as how to reduce inflammation in the body. Dan teaches nutrition classes, on cholesterol, sugar intake, gut health, and inflammation. You can learn more and find educational videos online at FrancisChiroClinic.com, Francis Chiropractic on Facebook, Dr. Daniel Francis on Instagram, and Francis Chiropractic Clinic and Wellness on YouTube, where you will find many educational videos. Here is my conversation with Dr. Dan Francis. Thank you for joining us at Conversations to Inspire. I'm with Danny Francis, doctor of chiropractic, and we are in his office and we are going to discuss chiropractic, some nutrition. Danny does some fabulous teaching in the community. We want to dip into all those different subjects. Thank you, Danny. Can you tell us a little bit more about your practice and how you got started?
1: Sure. Thanks for having me here. I I love the opportunity to talk health and wellness. I think shows like this and talks that we do and exposing people to that are the way you empower them and that's really what it's all about if you don't want to be the tail wagging the dog that's right. a way to put it. i've been in chiropractic 30 years now 31 in plymouth for 30 years so we've been here for about three decades i got into chiropractic i'm originally from ohio played football in high school from all-boy catholic school and then went to division three level and played football there a neck injury brought me into a chiropractor that my sister was working with. And I was thinking at the time, going into physical therapy. And as soon as he helped me, I was sophomore in high school at the time. My, it just changed my course. It was like, for me, it was a calling. I knew right then. I'm like, oh, this is, it's physical, it's mental. I don't have to sit at a desk. I could be my own boss. So that worked out really well. And Then I went on to Denison University, played football there, and then went on to chiropractic school in Chicago, where I met Jean. And we actually moved to Ohio first, practiced there for about a year. And then we moved back here when Dr. Patnaud passed away. And then she had some coattail relationships with Dr. Patnaud, my brother-in-law's father-in-law. And when he passed away, we moved back and bought his practice.
0: And you and Gene are together, chiropractors yep. together in this practice.
1: Yep. And then we've got uh, some massage therapists who come in and rent space here. They're all incredible. We've got eight or nine employees. They're all incredible. Good family units. Yeah, yeah. It's a team. It doesn't work without all of them. And we do a lot of different therapies. We use chiropractic. We use a lot of physical therapy, a lot of home exercises, Home whatever we can get to empower people. The last half of my career here, the last 15 years, we've been doing more nutrition way more the last five.
0: That's awesome. And you also do a lot of alternative therapies here as well. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about those?
1: Yeah, we have a disc decompression, which is awesome. So that's like for the person who maybe has some radiating pain in their arm that's sort of usually like disc pain or sciatic. You can take this machine, it gives you a gentle lengthwise stretch and it helps sort of draw that material back in and flush inflammation. It's really great for that person who's maybe not responding to chiropractic care as quick as we want, but they're also not surgical. Okay. Or maybe the cortisone shot didn't work there. That works perfect for that person in the gray zone. Right. And so that's a great option. A few years ago, we bought an infrared laser. Those are incredible. That has red, white, and blue lights. We call that the patriotic light.
0: Yes. You've helped Abby with several of her sports injuries with that. Blue
1: light is great for like ear infections. If something, if you're worried about infection, you can use that to help an area. The red light stimulates the mitochondria of the cell. The mitochondria is the energy unit. And so when you get that in tune, what happens is the mitochondria start to get into the healing realm. The the red wave is actually the wavelength that modulates healing. I always tell people that when I put that in there, it's like going to a concert and everyone getting in sync, right? Very and cool. you had 80,000 people singing together. We got 80,000 mitochondria working together. Heals a lot quicker. Okay. And then the white light's and anti-inflammatory and painkiller. So it's a real neat therapy. That's something I didn't have a few years ago. It's probably the last thing I'd give up. Use a lot of KT tape. That stuff's incredible. Muscle stem ultrasound, all kinds of cool things. Cups, grass and tools. There's, there's, the dressing tool, is that the one that you, metal.
0: you're rubbing and it alleviates scar tissue yeah, buildup? Okay. Yeah,
1: exactly. And cupping does it in a different way. It's so cool because there's all these just physical devices and, and techniques that in an hour I might do 15 different things, right? And not even think about it. You mean different patients, different techniques? The same patient, maybe three or four techniques, right? But yeah, I have a patient in one room, they're 93 today, the next room. Is two months old. Oh. It's not rubber stamping, right? It's not just an assembly line where it's, you know, you know what you're going to get. You never know what's going to be in the next door.
0: Well, that reminds me, my older two kids were born in a hospital and the three youngers were born at home, home birth. And the first thing I did after they were born was take them to chiropractic yeah. care. Yes. Because I and I don't remember how old they were when they finally went to see a doctor. First time they got sick or needed stitches. Yeah. But otherwise it's always been chiropractic care as a primary for our family as well.
1: Yeah, it it's pretty neat because a lot of people use this as a primary entry. Someone who is and you and I, I mean, you are in the medical field mm-hmm. and I have medical doctors in my family. I am not anti medicine. Mm-hmm. I'm anti anything being used wrong the the wrong way. But when you focus on wellness, yeah. life changes. It's just it's just more efficient way of dealing with health care.
0: I feel like doctors are great for acute care. But for chronic or lifelong wellness instead of disease care, chiropractic is,
1: I feel, so much better. I think we're positioned well for that. This is my observation. I'm not a medical doctor. Right. But the doctors across the street, they couldn't sell their practice. They had a great practice forever. Mm -hmm. They were were our doctors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Seventy or they were going to retire, they couldn't give their practice away because I think the medical schools and the medical system just is not aligned for individual practitioners.
0: Not anymore, and neither is huge conglomerate medical.
1: Yeah. And the problem there is when you get a bigger system, I think it's more difficult to have individualized care because they want standards. And I get that, but you can't put me and you in the same category. We're going to respond different to different medicines. Your cholesterol number is going to be different than mine should be, and one may not fall in a the range they like. So there's, it's just hard to do the numbers care and standardize if you're in a system. It's hard to do it individualized, I think. Sort of throws us as alternative healthcare practitioners, the responsibility of truly maintaining health and well-being. And I look at my two girls, my one daughter just graduated from chiropractic school. And my second cousin, she's more like a niece, are in chiropractic schools. They'll be our ninth and tenth chiropractor in the family. I have a couple sisters, in laws, cousins, nieces. Nephews. That's remarkable. Yeah, that's and fantastic. It, it, they like the lifestyle, so they just and their schooling is obviously better than ours was. It's much more advanced. But at this time, I think about how much I've had to learn and evolve in the last fifteen years, especially with the nutrition that we've added. It's given me a lot more tools to work with people. I'm not just working with them on, oh, I got a bad back. I'm doing lifestyle changes and nutritional regimens that are helping them get their body where they lose the 50 pounds so their back isn't bad. They don't need a leg cut off because of diabetes. And all of that has really empowered and and made my practice much more enjoyable and satisfying.
0: Mm -hmm, Because then you're helping people feel better and live more fulfilled lives Mm -hmm. and not just Putting band aids on a symptom.
1: Yeah. You're, mm-hmm. And there's sometimes people come in and all you can do is do a band aid.
0: Mm-hmm, I suppose. But for the most part, it's <clears throat> like you're able to heal them from the roots up.
1: Yeah. And the patient plays a role in this too, because we've gotten lazy. As a general society, mm-hmm. right? People go into a doctor's office and it's like they're going into Burger King and ordering it their way. You know, <laughs> I want this and this and this. That puts a pressure on the doctor. Right. It's not hard on the medical doctor when the patient is being advertised this wonder drug where most of the commercials telling you how your leg is gonna fall off or you're gonna jump off a building. I wouldn't wanna be a medical doctor, to tell you the truth. It's a really tough situation. You've got insurance company pulling at you, you've got the patient pulling at you, you've got the system pulling at you, and I think they go in with pure motives, and then it gets tougher for them. The, the beauty about where I'm at as an individual practitioner is I'm my own boss. And so I don't have to palliate any of those other concerns. It's definitely my call, and I get to make those choices. So it fits my personality to mm. to, to this kind of work.
0: Definitely. Yeah. And you've incorporated nutrition so deeply into your practice as well. Because you're selling supplements. But not only selling them, but you're able to really dive in deeply into what is going to work for each patient in each situation. How did you end up learning so much about supplements,
1: well, and nutrition? So I'm in this 30, 31 years, and about 15 years ago, I went. It was just I didn't like selling. You know, so I had no interest. I want to sell people stuff. I want to be pure. But people kept coming in asking information about supplements. I'd tell them, but they'd come back and it'd be total crap. Right, synthetic crap supplements that were probably harming them more than helping them. And so finally, I I went to a couple conferences, and the company that I sell probably 90% of my stuff is probably from Standard Process. I call them the Sargento of Supplements. So for all you outside our area, Sargento is a family run cheese business and really good in the community and standard process that way. And in fact, they're like the best of the best. (laughs) Yeah. And they're a family run. Ninety-four-year-old company. So they're closing in on a hundred years in the next few years. They have a thousand acre organic farm down in Palmyra, Wisconsin. Their dirt is as black as the microphone head we're talking into. It is rich organic dirt. Yep. My and brother
0: is a farmer in that same area. Yeah. Yep.
1: It's blacker. It's just incredible. And it is rich in micronutrients. And they grow these foods and then they use the whole food in the supplement. And What's distinguishing about them is there's a lot of different whole food supplements out there. You know, people ask me about the veggies and fruit thing and this and that. But those companies don't control it from the seed to the supplement. Same Process yeah. Standard Process control, Standard Yeah, process they, yeah they, they control it from the seed to the supplement. And then their herbal products are spectacular because they're a distributor for an herbal line called MediHerb. And they are out of Australia. And the significance there is in Australia, herbs are considered medicine. So in the U.S., you might have a turmeric pill that has 100 milligrams, but you don't know if it has 100 milligrams of the active component, right? Where standard process will tend to compress there so it's more concentrated. But then because it's considered a medicine there, they have to have a tighter amount of the active ingredient that's been studied to work. So when someone says, oh, I did turmeric, it didn't help, that means nothing to me until they've tried one of these MediHerb products. And if they use the Mediurban, and it doesn't help, well, we rule that out. But, you know, when you use a poor product, you I always say, you know, yeah, it's cheaper, but you can piss away a, a little amount of money too. <laughs> and when you compare apples to apples, it really isn't cheaper the way they concentrate it and the active ingredients in there. So we started using this company and, and the problem became is once I s- sold one thing, people just kept rebuying it, meaning it was working. Okay, and I try to give people the options of okay. Here, I do a lot of education through newsletters, through videos, and all of the talks in the community. And we say eat it first. People, well, people will say, "Hey, what well, can I just eat this?" I'm like, "Yeah, are you going?" To? And some do. And so you give those people those options, mm-hmm. and then you use the herbs and the supplements as tools. I do a lot with acid reflux. That's a scourge. That's a really easy thing to help people be able to back out of a medicine from. It needs this protocol, though. It takes some time. And what's neat about it is, is I'll tell them how we've got a natural option, and then they'll usually be interested in that. And then I'll tell them, but my goal is for you to be able to get off when I'm giving you too. My goal is for your body, not me, but your body, through proper nutrition and support, To heal itself the best it can so it can start taking over the digestive process. And then maybe you use this on occasion. Then they get an understanding like now I'm in it. He's not just getting me over to his stuff so he can have his retirement off of me. The goal is to educate them so that they can use these products as tools to get them to a point and then they can run it.
0: Right. And that makes total sense because your, your body is able to heal itself from within with whatever you give it. So if you give it the proper fuel, the proper tools, it can take care and heal and work from the ground up and heal itself.
1: And that's where I think we're 15, 20 years into this. I started to see I have to get into nutrition here Mm -hmm. because the people who are eating well are quicker to heal. I told the guy the other day, he was like pig pen from Peanuts. He had an aura about him from the cigarette smoke. His fingers were yellow Mm -hmm. from the tar. And I told them, I said, you know, if you needed back surgery, the surgeon I used down in Milwaukee wouldn't cut you. He wouldn't do surgery because he knows that his surgery has a 50% chance of failing because of that smoking. It does so much damage. And it's that kind of effect when you're eating a crappy diet, right? It's like the hurricane in Fort Myers. If you lost your house down there, And I'm the insurance company. I said, yeah, you could rebuild, but you have to use the materials that lay there. Well, you're going to have a crappy house when you rebuild it because it's crappy materials. And that's no different with diet. If you're eating a poor diet, how do you expect your, you know, now I'm 55. You know, how old are you? You're in the same age. So I think we look pretty good. Damn right? right we do. Yeah, but we're still really active, biking, <laughs> yeah. running, doing everything. Right. Now, when I have people coming in, I had a guy the other day, and I, my head doesn't look good as far as the hair content. but <laughs> looks great. But he's like, you wait till you get to my age. I'm like, you're 40. I'm 15 years older than you. And between smoking, alcohol content, and poor diet, people start to age. Aging is just poor repair. Well, poor repair starts with sleep, starts with hygiene, it starts with diet, right? If you're feeding poor food into your body, you're not going to be able to repair. So I'm seeing my patients healing quicker, not only because I'm giving them supplements, but I'm giving them dietary options and explaining to them what they need to do to thrive and let their body heal itself. Because just like you said, it's no different. I don't heal them. I position them for healing. Chiropractic is just opening up pressure off of nerves, correcting mechanics in the spine so that the body can do what it has to heal. When you go to a surgeon, it wouldn't work if that surgeon did a surgery and your body didn't heal after they pulled out, right? They cut you. The surgeon's not healing that cut, the body heals that cut. And how quickly you heal is totally dependent on your internal capabilities that you've given it.
0: I love your analogy of the hurricane in the house and the debris and trying to rebuild because you need proper building blocks in order to build a strong body, a strong, healthy body. And if you can provide that through nutrition and through your regular diet, it's like a no-brainer. You have the supplies there that you need to be healthy.
1: Exactly. And that's one of the reasons why we chose standard process because and try to get people to eat whole foods. Because when you eat, let's say, pick a vitamin, uh, vitamin C. When you take like a emergency, that little baggie, okay? packet. yeah, a little mm-hmm. packet, that is ascorbic acid, a high dose. That's not vitamin C. Right. Okay. That is part of vitamin C. So the analogy there is if you ask me for a piece of apple pie and I gave you an apple and that rings true to both of us because we have orchards, right? Correct. You would say, well, that's not an apple pie. It's just one of the ingredients. The nutritional industries. Answer to that is to give me a whole bushel. Well, more of incomplete doesn't make it an apple pie.
0: That's great. Okay. Yes. So
1: now all I want is a slice of pie, and that's the whole food. So when people look at a standard process product, I have, to, I have to teach them that you don't look at the label because if you're label shopping, we're going to fail. Mm-hmm. We are potency, not dosage. Okay. I'm giving you the whole food, I'm giving you a little of a lot not a lot of a little. But the whole thing, too. The the whole whole thing. In fact, our government's so whack that to call their vitamin C a product, they have to, a vitamin C product, they have to put a little ascorbic acid in there because that's what the government considers vitamin C. Because the ascorbic acid has gotten out of corn, which is subsidized (laughs) heavily by the government. (laughs) It gets so confusing and We try to make it simple for people. And it's gotten so wacky when people are, I don't know if I have enough of this in my diet or this. Think about we've lived for hundreds of thousands of years not reading labels. You know, no one's walking around saying, Boy, I didn't get enough selenium or boron today for my bones. That's not right, right? These RDAs are just sort of backwards. You should be eating whole foods and they're in there. We wouldn't have gotten here if we had to do that. And we're living longer, but we're not living better. better quality. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be here long and poor. I want to be here quality for as long as I can be.
0: Absolutely. But you ended up learning so much more about nutrition that now you're teaching classes.
1: Yeah, we do a lot of teaching.
0: Yeah. What are some of the classes that you're teaching?
1: Do a lot of shake the sugar is one theme. I do a gut class. I called you of know, the guts to change your guts. Ooh, I like that one. I'll do a heart class, a lot of cholesterol and that. I'll do a lot of body mechanics stuff, core. Yeah. Whatever bone, a lot of bone. That's a big one, like osteoporosis management.
0: Mm, That's very important.
1: You know, the shame about that is I had a friend who she recently got told that she had osteoporosis at 65 and she's pretty active and she was devastated. And the hard thing there is that the drugs for that are not great options. The question you have to ask is, do you want stronger bone or more dense bone? The drugs will absolutely give you denser bone, but they will not give you stronger bone. That's why their side effects are broken bones after five years. That's their words, not mine. But the problem is that it's not the time to look at it at 65 especially if you're a white female and you're fortunate enough to become postmenopausal, which means you've lived long enough, that time to think about it is actually in their 20s because what you got to get is these women, especially because they don't build as much bone mass and you got to get them building their bone mass when they're young so they have a starting place. That's why being a guy isn't a predisposing factor because guys have more testosterone. So we tend to start with a higher bone mass and when we lose, we don't get into the osteoporotic range as bad.
0: Oh, I okay? did know that. That's interesting. It's
1: just a running start. Well, so I shouldn't be doing these talks to 65 and 70-year-old women. I should be doing them to 25-year-old women. But they're, they're not the ones who are listening. It's hard to talk to a big hoss of a guy about how to lift properly for his low back because he's going to be arthritic when he's 20 to 25, because this is twice as life away, it's hard. That education is tough sometimes when you really want to get them.
0: Are your classes, I know you're teaching, are you recording them and offering them online for our listeners? So I can link your talks to the show and then people can find them. Yeah, you should be able to do that. Good. I would love for the listeners to be able to find you and find your information and get the classes.
1: Yeah, it's fun. I think I teach sort of quirky. I use a lot of different metaphors and examples like a hurricane because when you can picture that, if you really step back from a lot of the stuff we do, it'd be funny if it wasn't so serious. If you step back and look, if you really step back and listen to a drug commercial, you'd be like, why the hell would I want to do this? Because they spend more of the time talking about the side, side effects, effects than they do the benefits. And, you know, so many of the things they're talking about are not a disease. High blood pressure is not a disease. High sugar Not a disease. High cholesterol, not a disease. Those are symptoms of an underlying issue, and you can suppress that number. You didn't change the ill health below there. You just made them fit into a computer well because it's in this range.
0: Oh my gosh, we talk about this all the time. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, but so it looks comfortable, but it's not making them live longer, healthier. Correct. Yeah, that's the problem.
0: And so much of being healthy, I feel, allows you to balance your physical health. And then you can balance your emotional health, your spiritual health, your mental health, and just for that entire overall well-being and to be able to live a more fulfilled life.
1: You can't separate the three. Correct. You know, you have a three-legged stool, and when you knock one of those legs out, it falls over. I see that all the time, so much. COVID is a perfect example, okay? The mess that people came in in COVID, that was a surreal experience. Because 30 years ago when I went to school, if you'd have told me that the medical industry was going to shut down all their hospitals and the whole, everything just was going to go kaput, we to allow chiropractors to stay open. I would have said, you're crazy. So I kept waiting. When are they going to tell us we're non essential? And it was just a real weird thing. But I realized how essential we are because there are there's some gals I treat at a nursing home. I'll go over once a week and treat different people. And... I wasn't allowed in there for about five months. So they had no personal, they didn't have their family coming in. They had no physical touch, no real emotional connections. I feel that
0: was one of the biggest tragedies. Yeah. Oh,
1: it was horrible. There's nothing against the workers there. They're overstressed and weren't allowed to be. It was just a mess. Those women, this just happens to be all women that I treat, but those women had withered on the vine in those five months without that human contact. Without that love and that connection,
0: and that physical touch, their
1: mental and spiritual, just in the, it, it, you should you could see it in their physical presentation. They were a mess. And then the people like had coming in. I mean, everyone was so stressed. Do I wear a mask? Do I not wear a mask? Do I have to get the vaccine? Do I not have to get? The, you know, there were so many judgments one way or another. Just instead of respecting what someone had to do for themselves, right? right. You had to judge what they did if it wasn't what you did. You know, that was a mess. And as a result of that, I still see that tail end of that lagging. It's still not gone all the way. But the stress and the component and what it's done to bodies, it just further convinced me of how closely tied the mind, Mm -hmm. body, and spirit are.
0: They are. They're (laughs) Intertwined. We'll we'll go
1: with (laughs) two eyes. Very intertwined. The interesting thing, I think, too, is I like to look at breath, because breath is a great way to calm yourself, right? And I think of breath as it has to be tied to the soul. It has to be. As far as, you know, when we talk intimately intertwined, the breath has to be part of the soul because when you stop breathing, the soul says, I'm out of here, right? You to stop breathing long enough, you die, okay? And so I think it's interesting how much you can benefit from breath work. That's something we guide people to. I do a lot of yoga. That's become a passion of mine. I wouldn't be practicing if it weren't for yoga. I do a little routine every day and I have it on my website, it, but I've been doing that for 17 years. I'd started it the week after my first Ironman in 2005 because I felt like I was going to break in two after I did it. And I had no good like I was like, of course, strength is like if like a noodle. So I started doing this. and which Iron Man did you do? Now the first one was in two thousand and five in Madison. okay.
0: so after that, then you found yoga.
1: yeah, and I just did these things called the Five Rights. It's just an assembly of four or five exercises. It took just a few minutes a day and you get flexibility and strength. and they're what I call my bread and butter. and then about, Six or seven years ago, one of the gals who now works with me started doing yoga. I'll go to either yoga on the lake or elevate in Sheboygan.
0: I just interviewed Jackie. Oh,
1: she's great. Jackie's
0: fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: So there's all kinds of great options. Yeah, there's choices. The live it? ones are great because they take you well beyond. Now, the live ones wouldn't do me nearly as good if I didn't do that bread and butter every day, that five to 10 minutes.
0: You're saying live ones as in the in-person classes?
1: In-person, going to okay. class. You know, like I was in class the other day and I was in a pose and the gal works with us, Christy, came by and just put her finger on my spine and I totally changed my posture to what? Her cue totally did what it wanted me to do without any verbal connection. You know, so a really good teacher has this intuitive ability to just help you and not say, no, you're doing it wrong. Do it like this. It's like if you're laying on one of my tables and I say, turn to the left, when you're on a table face down, you don't know which way's left. You know, I tap them and they'll also go to this side and they'll do it. Yoga is just a really potent tool, and there's so much in breathing in yoga that it's, it's a fabulous tool.
0: Teach me more about that, the breathing, the breath work within yoga, and what you do for practice, your daily practice.
1: So there's so much of breathing in on a certain part of the pose and then exhaling. And I like this book, Breath. It's uh, written by James Nestor. It's sort of his journey to healthy breathing. And I had a nasal surgery a couple years ago. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to sleep. You know, because I'd keep waking up and he would have called me sleep apnea and told me to go get a CPAP. Well, they did an MRI. I had a tumor in my upper palate that was the size of my whole thumb. It was like a small sausage there. You see it in my open throat. I thought I had allergies for God's sakes, you know, and that's why I couldn't breathe through my nose. It's just breath is everything. You know, when you have to do CPR, what's the first thing you do? Make sure the airway's open. Breath is so key. And it is such an empowering activity. And that book breath gives people links and techniques that they can find. You know, you're going to find two or three that just are your go-tos. And when you do that, man, I have so many people come back saying, oh my gosh, my anxiety is so much better because I'm so much calmer, right? Here's another thing. This is how I sort of pin a smoker down. Why do you smoke? Well, it, it calms me. I'm like, well, that's not right because it's a stimulant. Well, it does calm me. So, well, you're not lying, but you—it doesn't calm you because of the cigarette, even through the toxins that big deep breath you're taking. They're doing breath work with toxic material, and it still works. It's not that—it's not the not the poison helping them.
0: It's the breath.
1: It's the breath work. That's how potent it is. You can breathe toxic crap into your body, and the breath work still works.
0: Okay, that's such an oxymoron, but that's really fascinating to it's link wild, it to. Yeah, right? and show the power of the breath. Mm-hmm. Do you practice breath work outside of just deep breathing?
1: I've gotten better because most people breathe through their chest. And the yoga gals that I go to and learn from, they teach you that abdominal breathing. And as that book goes through that, and actually goes through how just proper breathing changes face structure right? It's fabulous. But it's an amazing thing. I mean, breathwork, there are guys who can sit out in the cold and get heated up with breathwork, right? Because they can generate so much heat, the monks. So it's it's a great tool. And you don't have to become this ultra guru to benefit from it. You know, you need one or two simple exercises. You need to learn how to breathe sort of out. They They call it
0: tummy breathing or belly yeah, breathing.
1: Yeah, and that's somewhat of a misnomer because your diaphragm is really an umbrella. When you're really good at diaphragm breathing, your back will expand also. Okay, it's not just your breath. Your diaphragm is a dome, and when you really get good, the whole dome is expanding. But, I'm going
0: to have to pay more attention to that. Oh, yeah. Well,
1: yeah. you have to get this one first because, I mean, people just can't do it initially. It's not as easy as it sounds. Yeah,
0: because you're so used to breathing deeply and raising your shoulders.
1: Lifting this whole slab of ribs up against gravity, and the part that you're expanding is the smallest part of the lung, which is the apex. So you're spending a lot of energy to get a very little influx, where in stomach breathing, you're dropping your diaphragm with gravity, free energy, and expanding the largest part of the lungs. It's, It's neat. And much more calming. Much more calming. And even better, like when I'm biking, if I'm biking with a buddy who is faster than me and I'm sucking wind to catch up, I'm usually in a stress breathing pattern.
0: Yep, upper chest.
1: Stop that and do three or four big abdominal breaths while I'm climbing up a hill. All of a sudden, everything catches up. Legs start to feel better.
0: Really? I'm going to have to try that technique. That's fascinating just because it allows that much more oxygen in and allows you to recover faster.
1: It's amazing. It's just about capacity.
0: And I keep reading so many studies about breath work and the power of it. And not only physically what it does for your body, but just even the mindfulness of controlling your breath and being very cognizant of your
1: breathing. It's part of your soul. Your soul's everything, right? And I heard this explained before that your mind isn't, you know, like when I ask you what your mind is, most people are picture the brain. That's not the mind. There's mind in every part of your body. Every cell has that mindfulness. There's that gut feeling. Intuition. Yeah. Yeah. The, that, that's not your brain thinking. Mm-hmm. Okay. Your gut. When you feel that little stirring in your gut, it's telling you something, you better pay attention. Now, those things are all linked.
0: Mm-hmm. I feel like your heart, your emotions, your mind, your intuition, your mm-hmm. gut, your soul, everything. It's so interconnected beyond our comprehension. Yep. I mean, it is all one. It is.
1: And it's an expression. And, one of the things that I think people tend to fall back on is, it's my genes, genetically wired this way.
0: Right. I feel that's an excuse. It's a cop out. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: It's, it's not my fault. Mm-hmm. I'm shaped like an apple because my mom's shaped like an apple. I tell people you're shaped like an apple because you learned how to cook like your mom who's shaped like an apple. Okay. That's epigenetics. And I'm not poking fun at shape. I don't care about shape for vanity. It doesn't matter. Your soul is not inversely proportional to your weight. Oh, that's beautiful. But what I do know is when you have extra weight, that it will cause disease, dis-ease in your body. And I don't care if you're, you don't need to have a runway model body, right? Or an NFL football player body. I sure don't. You want to be in a healthy range because you want to have a body that will serve you as long as you live. And you see it. When you get on over a couple medicines, you're in trouble it just starts to bog your system down because those chemicals have effects. And, and synergistically. Anyone, mm-hmm. Absolutely. And there's no way there can be tests to run. There was a woman last week, she was on at least 20 medicines. She was in a stupor. I could adjust her and make her feel a little better, but until she parades some of that stuff down, her liver can't handle that. Mm-mm. And half of those medicines, probably more than that, are really for symptoms from another medicine, right? Where not really from a disease process that was truly going on in the body. That's where I have a problem. When you put someone on something and never look back on it. I have patients who come in and they get put on cholesterol medicine because it was really high. And you know what? Those people were sort of a shit show. They were smokers, way overweight, maybe drinking too much. So they were vulnerable because they're not, not because high cholesterol is dangerous. It's not if you're not inflamed doesn't matter. But if you're inflamed, it is. So I get bringing it down. But these people that then change their lifestyle and then they tell them, no, you need to stay on the medicine. That's not right. You really got to advocate for yourself.
0: Yes, that is. A you know, huge you have to
1: advocate truth. for yourself. And I tell people, you should be challenging me. No, no, Just tell them their doctor, you know, if I miss something, hey, do I have to stay on this? Oh, no. No, you've done good. You've lost all that weight. You shouldn't need it at this point.
0: And I hope that society learns and the medical community does learn that statins aren't always the way to go. Mm-hmm. And especially like you're saying, don't put a patient on statins and then just let them stay on it for the rest of their life.
1: It's interesting because they'll say in the commercials, they'll say, when diet and exercise fail. Not if, when. (laughs) When. You're screwed. It's going to. Don't even try. That's not right. That's a whole episode itself, the cholesterol issue, Mm -hmm. because there's, a, I think, a lot of fraud in that. Mm -hmm. And a lot of
0: pharmaceutical, yeah, that's a good way to put it, fraud. And I just have such a hard time with how much pharmaceuticals run medical and how they run people's personal medical care.
1: It's just sort of backwards, right? It's that tail wagging the dog. And you're waiting for people to get sick before you treat them. I have people come in all the time and say, well, my numbers are in the normal range. You know, the, the one range was like, there's a hundred points in there. Well, if it's between 50 and 150, what if your normal's supposed to be 125 and you're at 50? You're way low, you know? And the other thing with ranges are they're not static. You're always moving around. It's just tough to play the numbers game. I get it. I get why they are forced to do it and so forth. I don't envy them to be in that situation. But when a person, and again, this is on the patient, patient goes in and wants a the drug. They want the easy fix. I don't want to give my hot fudge Sunday up at nine o'clock in the evening. Well, then you better take this pill. You know, if they're not going to have skin in the game, that's the only tool that the medical doctor has. Right. And if that's what they think is their safest play, I get that. You know, that's a lazy patient, not a lazy doctor. So there's accountability both ways. And we've gotten lazy as a public. But when you have a patient who's ready to put, you know, their own blood, sweat, and tears into it, I think you should take that time to help that person and not just put them, rubber stamp them and say, this is what you need to do.
0: Right. And nutrition can play such a huge role in your health.
1: Most of our chronic disease is there based on what's on the tip of our fork. Hmm. You know, there's a great book by Michael Pollan called In Defense of Food. What is it called? In Defense of Food. And then he wrote another one called Omnivore's Dilemma, where he took four meals and he worked backwards from the meal to where they came from. He took a McDonald's meal and showed how it's basically 90% corn. And it's just interesting. And he has a lot of little quips like that. And if you're eating food the same place you get your car food, you're in trouble. You know, that's great. <laughs> or through if you're eating your food through the window of your car, that's a bad sign. Food and what you feed yourself combined with good rest, good exercise, that, right? that, that blend of moderation. You've done Ironman and marathons and those are, you're very fit, but it doesn't make you healthier, right? When I was in the realm of doing an Ironman for a year for a while, I was extremely fit but I was always bordering on sick because I was always depleted, okay? Life extension exercise is nothing like an iron Ironman. It's like walking a half an hour four times a week, right? It's doing some gentle weight exercise. You don't need to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. That type of exercise is not difficult to do, and you don't have to fall into these big fads, and that's where you get the change. And you also don't have to eat a perfect diet. I like to say if we had to live perfect, Mick Jagger and Keith Richards wouldn't be alive. (laughs) (laughs) True story. What are some of
0: the favorite classes that you teach? Classes? Yes, Um, nutrition.
1: I like the gut one a lot. I like teaching about the microbiome and how when you get these kids who are on ADD and antidepressants and you change their microbiome, they change. They all crisscross. At the root of shake the sugar, the gut, and cholesterol, most chronic diseases, at the root is that we're eating too much refined products. The refined flour, refined sugar are creating disease processes in our body that we just weren't used to. Our bodies weren't made to function this way with so many readily available calories.
0: Teach me a little bit more about that. I totally understand what you're saying, Mm -hmm. but for our listeners, teach us why that is and the mechanics behind that.
1: Well, we were made, think of yourself as a hunter-gatherer. As a hunter-gatherer, that goes into fasting. If you're a crappy hunter, you're going to fast that day. You went to bed and woke up in the morning and there wasn't a rabbit to catch or a berry out there, you're going to intermittent fast that day. right? And there's sugars in the foods they ate. You find a berry that's sweet but it had fiber and water in it. It wasn't refined and ready to absorb so easily. And And, stripped of
0: all the other properties that were exactly
1: right? yeah. We have so adulterated the food to get calories in quickly that we eat like winter is coming, but winter never comes. We're never starved. And because of that, we've gotten this obesity and diabetes epidemic that diabetes is a lot like smoking. Pre-diabetes is no different, right? The difference between type 2 diabetes and metabolic syndrome is a number that someone said, okay, at this number, it's now type 2 diabetes. At this number, I get that all the time. My doctor said I wasn't bad enough to put on the medicine because I'm not to this number yet. So you're not going to do anything to change it. You're just going to wait another year until you get bad enough. That's moronic, right? That's moronic care, both by the patient, to fall for it, and the doctor to say, you're not bad enough yet. Imagine if you cared for your car that way. Why should I change my oil? The engine hasn't froze up yet. You know, it's... Another good
0: analogy. That's stupid,
1: right? That's a really expensive way to practice medicine. And that's how medicine practices now.
0: Instead of saying, hey, you're near this, why don't we try some dietary changes, some lifestyle changes to improve your baseline? You
1: have to lose weight. You have to do this. I have a friend who's an orthopedic surgeon. He's cutting off digits every day of the week because of diabetics, cutting them off. And they know what? It's probably not affecting the lifestyle too much of that person, which is the sad part because they're so sedentary. So it's just about trying to get people to find a vigor for life so that they are self-motivated to feel better. And I love that. That's the part of my job that's the greatest. You may fail with 10 people. And frankly, I don't get emotionally involved in like, well, I can't this person do this. I can't understand it. I'm wired that way because I've been an athlete my whole life, right? So that took a while for me to dial down to become emotionally invested. It's their choice. Now, what I have noticed after 30 years of being in practice is that people will eventually come around and set their own pace, though. My job is not to sell them a supplement or give them a diet plan or an exercise plan. My job is to provide them with those options and tools. Whether they choose to use it or not is their own choice. I keep giving it to them. And when they're ready, it might be four or five times. I might have started this 20 years ago with a person. And then all of a sudden, the question changes from, I wrote this in one of my newsletters. When a patient says, I should really do that, that means there's no way in hell they're doing it. When a patient comes to you and says, what do I need to do to do this? That means they're now invested, right? Now they're investing into it. The difference. Okay, but when they say, yeah, you're right, I should really do that. Not an ice cube chance in hell is going to happen, <laughs> right? Because they don't want to give up their habits yet.
0: Yeah, they're too comfortable, too yeah. complacent.
1: They're in a comfortable hell is what I call it.
0: Mm. Well, you said to help them find a figure for life. And that's interesting because it's either that or you have to just instill in them just a reason, a substantial reason why they should advocate for themselves and really be an active participant Yeah, participant in their own health.
1: Yeah. And, and it's so important. I use passive-aggressive techniques like with a smoker. I'll, you know, <laughs> someone will come in and I'll be like, how much do you smoke? And I'll say, well, how, well, how do you know I smoke? And I'll tap my nose. I'm like, you stink. You know, <laughs> I mean, you do. Do you want your kid to smoke? Well, no. I said, well, they're not going to listen to you. Actions speak louder than words. If you're a smoker, your kid is more likely to be a smoker. So if you want to save your kid's life, you yeah, put that darn cigarette out and save the money. There's so many different techniques. I'm getting a little more direct as I get older. <laughs>
0: <laughs> because you can do so safely. <laughs> yeah,
1: because I'm older than more of the people I treat. Right? Not necessarily wise, yeah. it's just more daring. Yeah, just, yeah. It's like this is a quicker route to get there.
0: I want to go into your glucose class that you're teaching. It's glucose, gut health, inflammation, right?
1: Yeah, the glucose stuff is cool. There's a great book that I have no ties to. It's called Glucose Revolution.
0: I brought that. My coworker just gave it to me to read.
1: It's spectacular. So we do a detox in our clinic. It's a shake that provides your liver and kidneys and bowels all they need to do to detox. And you need to be pretty clean to lose weight. So... The problem was, we'll call it the 10-day detox, it's where do you land? You shouldn't have to leave perfectly clean the whole time. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's sort of what people were, where do I go now? You know, yeah. they were lost. This glucose revolution, the premise is, this little French gal gives you 10 different life hacks, and she teaches you why glucose spikes are so bad. And they're involved in everything from polycystic ovarian syndrome to cholesterol to diabetes, it's all there. The source is the same. These diseases weren't happening before they told us to stop eating fat and start eating more sugar, right? Right. We got fatter and sicker and, and worse off. And these spikes, I love on a podcast, I'm doing hand signals like <laughs> the people are seeing you it. Like yeah. I can see it um, too. But these spikes create crashes, which create cravings. So now you got a person who's beaten the hell out of themselves because they just don't have the willpower not to eat sugar. It's not willpower. You're feeding gut bugs. And if you feed the bugs that like sugar, you're going to have more of them. So who do you think going to order on the menu? The gut bugs that want sugar. So you're going to have cravings. If you spike and crash, now you're low sugar, which is just as bad as high sugar, which means your body's going to crave sugar so you get out of the low and out of that danger zone so you don't die. So these cravings aren't your weakness, it's your pattern. And she gives you these little life um, hacks that are easy to do and end up making you eat less sugar because you don't reach for it because your cravings aren't there. And she tells you, look, I'm not giving up my chocolate cake on my birthday. So you don't have to live perfect kind of diet, it's, this makes it better. And really, of the 10 hacks, there's probably six of them that are implementable, meaning one of them is don't count calories. Well, that's not an action, that's an inaction, okay? And a couple of them are sort of redundant, meaning she'll tell you to eat in a certain order. Like your
0: fibrous foods, your vegetables first. Yes,
1: fiber, fat, protein, carbohydrate. So given that, you're always going to have your dessert. One of our life hacks is have dessert at the end of a meal. Well, that's already in the order. So there's about six actionable things there, and they're really easy. And you don't have to do every one every time, but the more you do, I'm having patients lose all kinds of weight, and they're not having to give things up, right? Just
0: change the order in which they're change adjusting. Change the order.
1: So like those, the order is interesting because let's say we had this podcast at a dinner, and I ordered a tenderloin and potatoes. In the past, I would eat my potatoes first and save the steak for last. That's what I like the best, okay? And the potatoes are a healthy food, but they have a sugar spike because they're a dense carbohydrate, a starchy. And it doesn't happen right away. So for those of you who think that, oh, my breakfast doesn't matter, the problem is is you don't see the effect right away. It's not like stubbing your toe. She uses this example. It's not like you stub your toe and you feel the pain right away. This. A kid eats a bowl of Cheerios, which is a horrible cereal, no, no better than Cocoa Puffs, eats a bowl of Cheerios for breakfast, and two hours later, he's face down in a puddle of drool on his desk in school, okay? And they're thinking he's got ADD when he just had a poor diet. If yeah. he would have eggs, he'd be alert. And it's just really interesting to see how that works. And we go back to the dinner we were having. If I have the potatoes and then the steak, I get a spike. If I have a bite of steak and a bite of potatoes, a bite of steak and a bite of potatoes, the spike is less, way less. If I have the steak and then the potatoes, no spike.
0: Fascinating. This
1: isn't like the keto diet would say you can't have a potato. You know what? If you were a caveman walking around and you came upon a potato, you're eating the damn potato. (laughs) Right? So this all or none is, is not right. Okay? And... Moderation is key, but she really teaches you how to decrease the impacts of those spikes when you're going to have them. That makes it sustainable. If it's not sustainable, it ain't going to work because there's nothing worse than a fad diet that works. And then when you rebound, now you got the emotional and psychological component of not following through. You got the rebound effect of probably gaining more weight than you started. Mm -hmm. It just becomes a mess.
0: And by she, we keep saying, I don't even know how to pronounce her last I'll name, do you?
1: Jessie and Shaspé is what I'm going to say, but I don't know. I have a hard enough time with the English language, let alone trying to pronounce a French last <laughs> name.
0: So, so Glucose Revolution is the yeah, name Yeah, it,
1: it's a good read. And she's got a great Instagram spot called Glucose Goddess, and it's great. Her graphs are like second grade level, so even you I get Even I could it. understand
0: them? Yeah, Perfect. you get
1: it. It's just like, oh, that's impactful.
0: Does she also discuss the hormone relationship between Mm -hmm. eating and layering your foods according to how she is teaching?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And people have to understand this, especially females. If anyone who's gone through a hormonal cycle or live with someone who's gone through a poor hormonal cycle from a menstrual space, right? Every time you put food in your mouth, that is a hormonal event just as much as having a menstrual cycle. The chemicals, insulin, glucagon, those are hormones. The digestive process is so hormonal. And because of that, it is tied, it is affected very much by sugar. So it's just, it's cool. Each one of these topics could be an hour talk.
0: Well, we're going to have to do this again for several different topics. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) How about the gut health one? Teach us a little bit more about that one.
1: Well, the gut gut health health is amazing because it's often referred to as the second brain. When I have a gut feeling, well, you do, and you better trust it. And The thing about it is, is that digestion starts well before you put it in your mouth. The thought of food, okay, starts at, boy, I'm just thinking about having this steak tonight. You can, your mouth can water just thinking about it. We had a Neapolitan Mastiff named Ellie, short for elephant. They're gray, lumbering dogs. And she was just a slobbering mess. Every day when I'd have a couple of eggs, she would have, she was Pavlov's dog, the experiment. I would hit the pan on the stove. The egg wouldn't even be cracked yet. And she'd be sitting there starting to drool because she knew she was going to get one of the egg yolks. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you I'd make three eggs and I'd, I'd split the yolk between the two dogs we had. As Soon as that pan hit, so there wasn't any smell, any butter, any any, anything, she was drooling. She was So that is prepping the enzymes, right? Those enzymes tag it. They take it into the gut. When you taste, here's the thing to give you an example of how integrated it is. When you taste sweet, your body starts to produce all the enzymes and digestive acids and hormones that are going to process super sweet. So someone who has a candy bar, the body was ready for that. Someone who has a Diet Coke, the body gets screwed. Because now I'm not saying having a candy bar over and over and over is healthy, but the body was expecting sugar. It got sugar. It dealt with it. When you put artificial sweeteners on your tongue, it's like throwing the body a curveball. It's expecting sweet, produces all the stuff ready for it. That's not good for it. You get fat storage. You ever notice the people who eat a lot, a lot of super saturated artificial sweeteners. It's
0: people who drink a lot of diet sodas. Yeah. They're usually, they're usually
1: overweight. They're That's, overweight. They're That's one of the reasons because you got the chemical toxins blocking the liver. Your super sweet sends fat storage signals. Insulin does what it is spelled in the first and last two letters in Stores sugar in fat. Okay. It stores sugar in adipose. So when you put super sweet and stimulate insulin, but you don't have anything, you're still storing fat. You're still driving fat development.
0: I did not know that. That's actually very interesting. I just always assumed it had something to do with the chemical makeup
1: of the artificial sweeteners. That's the other end of it, which makes it even more complicated. It's those people then can't burn fat because their liver is so sick because it's detoxing from those chemicals. And those chemicals have half lives. So the person who says, I only have one a day, you're just as toxic as the person who has 12. It just took you longer to get there because the half-life builds slower. Okay, so instead of getting a $100 bill right now, took 100 days to get it. So it's a slower slower time to get there, but you get there.
0: And what about inflammation? That's another topic. I think we're finally getting a lot of information on inflammation out to the public these days. And it seems like finally is maybe correctly diagnosed if you want to call it a diagnosis.
1: Inflammation. So you and I are the same age. Mm -hmm. When we are...
0: And remember, we look damn good.
1: Damn good. (laughs) (laughs) When we're 10, who do you know who has an autoimmune disease?
0: Nobody. Nobody.
1: They existed, but they're rare. Right. Now, today, a third of my patients had something. It might not be a bad one. Half of them was eczema, but that's autoimmune. Inflammation ultimately comes from the gut. Not like a sprained ankle. I didn't sprain my ankle and it was because of my gut. Okay, that's different. That's local. But systemic inflammation comes from this poor diet, refined foods, refined oils,
0: overly processed. Toxins.
1: We're overfed, undernourished is one of my favorite statements, right? Unfortunately, we get the calories, but we don't get the micronutrients. So the gut lining becomes porous. But now things that shouldn't get through are getting through.
0: Leaky gut syndrome.
1: Yeah. And when did peanuts become archenemy number one? Right. I mean, we've had kids when we, when we had kids in high school, there were kids so allergic to wheat that they couldn't even come into the house if we were having a spaghetti cook-off. That's nuts, right? I mean, that's a really inflamed individual. I'm not saying they didn't have it. I'm just saying that was unheard of when we were growing up. So what changed? The only thing that's changed is the diet. It's been there long enough now to show itself. The diet has been bad enough long enough now, right? To see generational changes.
0: Okay, that makes
1: sense. But ultimately, when that 80 to 90% of your immune system sits around your gut, your gut associated lymphatic tract, they call it the GALT. And that's because your gut is a modified skin layer. From your mouth to your anus, you're a donut. Okay, you're a donut. And your whole digestive tract, is a thin skin layer, modified to absorb. That has to be a tight barrier. So if your outer skin, it's about the size of a door, okay, the the surface area. Your gut is about the size of a tennis court. So when that is open, you're screwed, okay? And then the immune system has a lot of inflammation. The immune response has inflammation as part of it. And that's natural, it's good, until it is chronic. Until it never gets resolved, okay. So just shutting off the inflammation doesn't help if you don't shut the border. Now we can make this a border comment. You know we have to close <laughs> the border. There's too much coming in, right? You need to know what's going in, and that's true. And that's that's our gut, and so it can heal. It has an incredible ability to heal if you give it the right tools.
0: So inflammation starts with things crossing that gut lining barrier, that and then the body. Be?
1: Yeah. So think about. We'll use the go back to the peanut. A protein should get broken down into small amino acids, individual, and that's how they pass through. When you have a protein, there's a hole, and the protein's not fully broken down yet, so it slips through as a chain of amino acids. It's what a virus looks like. So you get a chain of amino acids from a protein go through there often enough. Your immune system starts to tag that as a foreign invader, and now you're allergic to it. It creates inflammation.
0: And what effect does inflammation have on the body?
1: It's like taking a blowtorch. And that's what sugar does. We're going to bounce around a little bit if you don't mind. No, go for it. If you look at cholesterol, the great lie with cholesterol is that LDL cholesterol is bad. Right. If God made it to be in your body Mm -hmm. and your body creates, every cell in your body has the capacity to create some cholesterol. That's how important it is. Because every phospholipid layer of the cell has cholesterol in it. So if your body makes it, that tells you something about how important it is.
0: It is essential.
1: Essential. Top five molecule on the top. And LDL is one of those important. And LDL and HDL, there actually are not two types of cholesterol, a good and a bad. Those are carrier molecules. Cholesterol is cholesterol. HDL and LDL are just the uber taking it around the body. Okay. Now. What happens is that when you are not eating fat, but eating sugar, and your sugar is constantly high, sugar, too high, damages the arterial wall. The body knows that. So that's how you get high blood pressure. When the insulin's chronically high, you'll attract sodium back into the kidneys, what follows sodium water. Water. That dilutes the sugar, so it's not so toxic to the wall. But that increases your blood volume to get higher blood pressure. So we have people doing these detoxes and getting off of sugar. All of a sudden, their blood pressure is low because they're staying on their blood pressure medicine and they don't need it anymore.
0: So you can do a sugar detox and it could possibly help lower your blood pressure.
1: Yeah, because your body can regulate itself. Your body's going to regulate itself if you change your habits. And if you change your habits, you're going to have to then look and talk with your medical doctor about your medicine habit.
0: Advocate for yourself.
1: Because you might not need that amount, okay? It might not be dangerous because you're healthier. But LDL gets damaged by sugar. It gets glycolated, which is like the hardness of a creme brulee, that hard sort of caramelization, right? The stuff that tastes good. uh uh-huh, the good <laughs> stuff on top. <laughs> mm-hmm. So once the LDL is damaged, now it's bad because it doesn't fit in its receptor, okay? You've damaged it. It's like melting a key. It doesn't fit in the keyhole anymore. It doesn't work. Now that smaller damaged LDL is what infiltrates the artery. So you can have a really high cholesterol in the absence of drinking a lot of alcohol, which is very high in sugar, and the absence of chronically high sugar, and the absence of cigarette smoke, doesn't really matter. You know, they're, they've done all kinds of studies on this. I ask patients this all the time. Why are you taking your cholesterol medicine? Well, lower my cholesterol. And so well, I think that's crazy. I think I would only take it if it was going to extend my life. Okay. And that's the difference. I don't care if you have a low cholesterol number, if you die at the same state and you're achier because of all of the different side effects, but I'm not saying you should never take cholesterol medicine. That person who is not taking care of themselves and is damaging the LDL, they probably should be on that until they decide. Advocate for their body and do the right things and change their lifestyle.
0: Yes, change their lifestyle.
1: Yeah, you see, it's not so cut and dry. There's people who I think definitely should be on the medicine. I think they should be pressured a little more to try. You
0: know to try to heal themselves through yeah, dietary and lifestyle and, changes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I don't think the hospital is the best place. The dietary advice that dietitians in hospital settings give to my patients makes me want to put my head through a wall. They're stuck in the 80s and and it's not right. They're still telling them low fat, eat more carbs. It's crazy. No, it's not everyone, but it's the amount of bad information out there is staggering.
0: That is so true. I'm wondering if you can, with the title of the podcast being Conversations to Inspire, is there some inspirational advice or tidbits or little nuggets of information that you can leave with our listeners to inspire them to just truly like revamp or look at and analyze their lifestyle, to try to do the best they can, to live the best physical life they can. So therefore, again, the mind, body,
1: spirit. Yeah, and that's it. We're here for a very short time. And I believe in heaven, but I don't want to go there quite yet. We're given this gift of this incredible body that has this recuperative power to heal.
0: Totally regenerative power.
1: Totally regenerative. And you think about how much we beat the hell out of our body and it doesn't die. There's people I come in, I'm like, how are they not dead yet? And then I think, if I die before them, I'm going to be pissed at how (laughs) well I try to live. I'm going to have some words.
0: Oh, that's Um, so funny. (laughs)
1: But it's just, you've got this incredible gift. And there's so many cool things that there are to enjoy. And it really doesn't take living perfect And I think you and I try to exemplify a good lifestyle for the people that we deal with on a healthcare basis. I post a lot of stuff about the outdoor stuff that we do to show people. I post out of our orchard and just try to show people how there's so many cool connections you can have with the land and any area that you live is really incredible.
0: Yes, absolutely. Right.
1: And, you know, a lot of people come to me saying, do I need this special olive oil, the special berry. And, and, you know, you see these commercials, right? You have to have this berry. And I'm like, you know, if God meant you to have to have only that berry, that berry wouldn't grow just on a little Polynesian island in the middle of the Pacific.
0: That goes back to eating local and God providing everything you need within yeah, your locality. Yeah, somewhere,
1: everywhere is what you, where you live, you have what you need.
0: Exactly. I just had a conversation today about that with a friend of mine.
1: Mm-hmm. It's there. Yes. It's just there in a different way. And it's really fun. I've been broken many times from all the athletic stuff. And I've had illness. You know, we we all have our own hurdles. And I feel if you're not feeling as good health-wise as you can, you have to understand that that is affecting your soul and it is affecting your ride on this earth. And you want this ride to be great. And especially if you have any offspring, you want to inspire them. Right. I try to, I hope I inspire my kids with the stuff that I you know, you do, do because that's the legacy, right? You want people to better themselves. And it's it's very empowering. I'm so happy. Like a patient was in today and he's like, I haven't been here in a while. I said, that's good. It means you haven't needed me and you're doing the right things. And, you know, I had a guy I saw just once a couple years ago. He came in. I didn't even recognize him. And he was just a guy who was motivated by what I told him and did it. And he lost like 50, 60 pounds over the couple of years. It's just, again, where people are at, right? You just have to realize that it's not a race. We're all different. Your path will be different. And trying to find people, therapists, yogis, doctors that will all work together to promote your health and well-being and understand that you have to advocate for yourself. Even in my profession, you know, it's easy to just adjust. You have to advocate for yourself with whoever you're working with so that it's proactive. And if someone comes in and they just want me to adjust their low back pain, they're not going to do anything. Well, I'm going to do that for them. And I'm going to hope that someday in one of those occurrences, they decide to that something sparks them. You know, that's why I write the newsletters that I write. They're very Most of them have to do with a personal encounter with a patient or outside of my office, like on a ski lift or something like that, where I meet someone who inspires me. And then I share that passage because I want people to know it's not uncommon to break out of the habits you're in, right? And when you do that, it's so satisfying because we're all here. I heard this from a guy, Bob Proctor. I like this. He said, The reason why we're here is we all have God's stuff in us, right? We were created by God. Well, if God's the creator and we came from Him, then our job is to create. And He gave us these tools to do it. It's sort of our obligation to use those tools to the best of our ability.
0: Absolutely. And to live the best life you can. Yeah. Because it's a gift.
1: Yeah, it is a gift. And when I get injured, that gives me an opportunity to figure out how I can overcome that. Any hardship I've ever had, whether it be, emotional, physical, whatever it be. At the other end of that hardship, I'm better off, right?
0: Yes. I feel that every lesson that you have thrown at you or every curveball you have thrown at you is just a lesson
1: to be able to find growth
0: and self-improvement and
1: and level up your game. Every time time you create that self-improvement, you are now stronger and more self-sufficient. And not that when you're self-sufficient, you still don't look for help. But you are now more self-reliant and that empowers you because now you're not in need. I need you. I need this. I, you know, I can do it. You know, look at your kids when they're younger. When you're trying to, you know, if you quick and quick tie their shoe for them, they eventually, they, they're like, I want to do it. And what do they do when they do it? They, I did it. Mm-hmm. I did it is our nature that you're here to experience that. And everyone should be able to experience the health and wellness that we do.
0: And especially as you say, if you can be in charge of your own and advocate for yourself and the power that gives you, yeah. oh my gosh, yes, that is huge. And then you want to do more and you want to do better.
1: And I get it. And it's really more. hard because it's overwhelming, especially with Google and all that. So find someone that's inspiring and learn from them and let them guide you a little bit, right? It's that simple. And, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. A lot of people do the right thing for the wrong amount of time, right? And and then they blame that's the funny. thing. And, you know, quit blaming your genetics. It's your epigenetics. It's our habits. Very few things that are truly raw genetic that you can't change. Okay. I mean, eye color and all that kind of that, that's different. But we have a genetic trait in our family that we've got some heart disease in our family. But all the people who've suffered from that are also obese, heavy drinkers, smokers, high stress, didn't exercise. So now my wife's family might be able to live till 90s doing that mine, I'd be dead by now. Literally. Genetics is more a predisposition, meaning if you live this way, your genes might lean you towards cancer. Mine might lean me towards heart disease.
0: Yes. Lifestyle for <clears> much <throat> more than just your DNA.
1: Lifestyle triggers your DNA to express itself one way or another.
0: Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. Expression.
1: Whether your genes express some of their what's written is totally up to you. It's mm-hmm. like a book. It's in there, whether you read that page or whether you let it out is up to you.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. For our listeners that want to find you online and learn more about you and your talks and your teachings, what's the best way for them to connect with you?
1: Francis Cairo, C-H-I-R-O, clinic.
0: Can you spell Francis for us as well?
1: Yeah, male version like Pope Francis, F-R-A-N-C-I-S, Cairo, C-H-I-R-O, and clinic.com. I'm on Facebook. I do a lot of Facebook lives and Instagram posts which is just Francis Chiropractic. But I do a lot of like, I'll do a gut thing where I do maybe 10 different segments and they're two minutes apiece. Perfect. The last week I did a detox one. It was like 20 minutes. Those your, are fun.
0: What is your Facebook page?
1: It's just Francis Chiropractic Clinic. Okay. Yeah, it, it, you look up Dr. Dan Francis and you'll find it. Okay, and there.
0: how about Instagram?
1: Same. Okay. Yeah, Francis Chiropractic Clinic.
0: I'll put links to those in the okay. show notes as well. Sounds good. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing all of your wonderful wisdom with us.
1: Well, thanks for being such a great host and great questions. Same thing. You're very inspiring and it's a pleasure. I love that you're doing this because this is how you get it out to people so they can do it on their own. Thank you. This
0: is Conversations to Inspire with your host, Teresa Moore. Join us next week as we explore a different facet of the mind-body-spirit connection. Help promote the show by subscribing and following this podcast and leave a five star review so we can continue to get incredible guests as we dive further into the mind body spirit connection.